we're very much into lane crossing and to saying whatever we want. But when people come into our lane, then we have to hold them accountable. Yeah. So what's this uh, What's this deal with Marcuse trending on Twitter for the last week? So a well-known uh, kind of contrarian leftist or uh, journalist. I can't remember what it, their first name is. I wouldn't, Talibi. I wouldn't call him uh, Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't actually able to read the article, just full disclosure, because it was paywalled and I didn't feel like paying for it. Uh, but they released a pretty popular essay on Herbert Marcuse. For those of you who don't know, he was the most prominent member of the Frankfurt School for a while. Uh, and Taibbi was arguing that Marcuse was kind of the intellectual linchpin uh, for the emergence of left-wing cancel culture. And he located uh, the source of this in Marcuse's essay on repressive toleration, uh, which, to be fair, is probably the worst thing Marcuse ever wrote. Uh, it's not great. Uh, um, no, I'm, that's the one where he says uh, we should not be upholding liberal values. That's why you say that, isn't it? No, it doesn't have to do with that. It's just that... Um, because I, I actually think he brings up an interesting point about the paradox of toleration, as it's sometimes called. Doesn't right? he Which say something like tolerance is power anyway? But he essentially argues, this is just breathing in, is he runs through a, a history of people who have argued for free speech uh, from a liberal perspective, focusing particularly on John Stuart Mill's. Yeah, uh, yeah, and He yeah. actually agrees, with a lo- agrees a lot with what they're saying, uh, which is why I say the new, even though I think the essay is not great, it's far more nuanced than it's usually portrayed by, um, portrayed as. Uh, and he says, you know, the kind of problem with it is this, though, that in every society, uh, there are groups that will use their freedom of expression uh, to do one of two things, right? Either they'll use it to quash the freedom of expression of others, uh, or they'll use it to essentially manipulate people into engaging in very bad projects, projects that are counter to their influence, uh, or sorry, their interests. And what Marcuse had in mind was the kind of mass manipulation uh, that the U.S. government engaged in during the 1960s to try to drum up support for the Vietnam War, right? Uh, and Marcuse reaches this conclusion that in order to save a culture of freedom, sometimes it's necessary to put constraints on the most reactionary elements of that society. Uh, because if you don't, they're going to do one of these two things, right? Either take away people's freedom uh, or engage in acts of mass manipulation uh, that will end very badly. Okay, so I I know this essay. Victor, do you know this essay? Have you read it recently? Uh, no, I haven't. The genealogy of free speech is actually quite interesting. I'd suggest if you want to read it, cut off at the first half. Read the first half and then stop. Right. I have read this essay, and I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I remember, it's something like the left has no voice anyway. Yeah. So the left should not uphold freedom of speech because all things are not neutral. So John Stuart Mill, I mean, presumably they're all, it's all a bourgeoisie uh, liberal project anyway, to say free speech because free speech means I do not want the crown to censure me for a bourgeoisie person. If you want to have a, a very short Marxist analytic of why bourgeoisie like rights, But what he was saying in that article is the left don't have any free speech anyway. So what we should be doing is get rid of the extreme right, which would be... Oh, yeah. Why don't we just say Fox News? Fox News should not have free speech, is Marcuse's general argument. Is that right, Matt? Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And um, 
it's part of the part of the um, the essay that's most controversial, right? Uh, because he says, look, uh, and again, it's important to situate this in context. It's the 1960s, coming right after the McCarthy era. Oh, so he got um, red when, scare. Uh, yeah, exactly. There was Red Scare and there was heavy policing of a lot of progressive movements from the civil rights movement through to, uh, you know, kind of hippie activism. And he says, look, you know, the political right is very strong, strongly using its stranglehold on political institutions and cultural institutions in order to inhibit the expression uh, of progressive ideas, progressive movements and so on. Right? The counterculture, uh, but not using the law, right? He is, is what he says. They're not using the law to do it. They're using all these other methods by like black no, he, blacklisting he, actors, for example. Yeah, he says sometimes it does, he does actually say sometimes it takes the form of just outright repression. Uh, and yet this is exactly again the McCarthy era, right? Where Mac McCarthy really aspired to basically make uh, having any kind of left-wing view uh, enough to send you to jail. And the uh, Hoover, least, the Hoover era where in where the, the Black Panthers were the greatest enemy to american stability supposedly yeah exactly right and he says look like they're willing to do this to us uh if they have a stranglehold in his opinion you know on both political power and cultural power uh so if we're going to actually win as progressives uh we need to be not equally ruthless but at least ruthless enough right uh so like you said pills when we gain enough power we should at least try to ban uh, far-right fringe uh, forms of expression uh, that, for the two reasons I mentioned before, will pose a threat to everyone, right? Uh, and it's not a very well-constructed argument, in my opinion. He doesn't really give that many examples. I do think that there's a nice bit of political realism in it, in it sometimes uh, that we could talk about. Because yeah. he does make the point that, look, whoever's in power is going to use that power to silence their opposition, at least to a certain extent. Uh, so let's not be naive here and assume that the right's not going to do this to us. Uh, and let's, so, uh, therefore, let's be open to the idea that we might have to do it to them, right? Uh, but as a piece of writing, it's not up there with his other books, you know? That seems like a bad take to me. Yeah. N nobody, nobody reads this essay with... Nobody reads One Dimensional Man or Eros and Civilization is going to turn to this essay and think this was Marcuse's oh, wait, shining wait, moment. Wait, 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 wait. I got to interrupt. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Stuff fell off my desk. But look what's on my desk. What is that? There. Eros and Civilization oh. is like sitting right next to me for some reason. Oh yeah, that's funny. Are you are you reading it again? I think I needed it for a specific purpose in a Discord chat. Anyway, uh so Matt, what is what is uh, the Taibi argument based on this saying like I only saw the reactions to it. Again, it was paywalled so I didn't see it. But what but what the I, I... argument sounded like? I know no, the title of the essay was that Marcuse is a pseudo-intellectual, which is kind of a weird take if you're only reading this essay. But what is the... Uh, is he saying that this this is the thing that started cancel culture? Because that seems like an inane take. Yeah, it's not an unpopular one, though. I mean, uh, particularly on the political right, uh, which is actually... One of the reasons why Taibbi's essay has been uh, problematic. And I should emphasize again, I have not read his essay. I only read the first three paragraphs of it, then I had to pay for it. Uh, and then I was like, no. I watched I watched 30 minutes of him debating um, some other uh, Marcuse intellectual. I think maybe maybe Ben Burgess even covered this debate on his... Uh, it was like a recent one. And um, I did notice Taibbi saying stuff about, about how... Uh, like how Marcuse apparently 
um, he he reads Marcuse as having a kind of um, uh, intellectual elitism. So thinking that like intellectuals basically like right left wing intellectuals need to make the decision for the population because they're too stupid. They can they can't make up their own mind. So like because they're they're so vulnerable to misinformation, um, and therefore we need to we need to take control with like because we know we're the intellectuals. We know better than the public so we need to like censor these things that are dangerous because they're going to be and he and, and taibi's argument he just felt outraged by that line of argumentation all right well totally unrelated point not related to the argument at all but uh fox news is the most popular cable news and most watched cable news network so i, I just wanted to well, it's, it's kind of ironic that i saw taibi because i did actually read uh, a lot of his recent book called hate inc about um how the media makes us hate each other and I was, I was quite fond of it, but but it's, it was kind of funny that on the one hand he's sort of denying, like he has this. He 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 even did this in his book. He he. I really I'm I like him uh, overall, but he does seem to harp on this kind of point um, that people can figure things out on their on their own. But then yet he also has all this media criticism about how the media is making us hate each other, and those two things kind of seem inconsistent, which is kind of what you're getting at, pills. That there's. A, because it's like, well, if, we, if people can think for themselves, then why why should we worry about the media making us hate each other, right? Like, and if you both either, things can be true. And if you look it's, just at Marcuse and his school, not maybe not Marcuse himself, but you know the Frankfurt School, what yeah, they did well, the reason that they're read, the reason that they're cited, is because they made that argument. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say, right? I mean, this is why I say I don't think it's a particularly good essay, even though. Tybee, from everything I've heard, was vastly unfair to Marcuse, right? Uh, and he does make the kind of argument that critical theorists uh, in the vein of the people in the Frankfurt School have seen how it is that mass manipulation is undertaken by the culture industry. This is why they're in a unique position to designate uh, who should be allowed to speak and who should not be allowed to speak, right? Uh, and then he kind of goes on to make the more overtly polemical uh, points that he makes later on the essay about the left and the right and so on. Uh, and I do think it's definitely a bit elitist, right? It's not a great essay in this respect, right? Um, where I think that, you know, uh, people often don't pay sufficient attention uh, to what he's actually arguing is this essay is almost always appealed to by rote, uh, usually pretty bad right-wing intellectuals who will say things like, this goes to show you the roots of left-wing cancel culture uh, because here's a very prominent leftist intellectual, leader of the new left in the 1960s, you know, which every conservative hates for a lot of reasons, right? Uh, arguing that we should silence right-wingers because if they're allowed to spread their views, they'll convince enough people to become conservatives, uh, so they need to just shut up uh, through whatever means necessary, right? Uh, the problem is, of course, the essay is never situated in his broader oeuvre, uh, let alone the broader oeuvre of the Frankfurt School, where they make a lot of these more sophisticated points, right? Uh, and that's just goes to show you why. For all the fact, for all that this may have been a really bad essay of Marcuse, he still leagues ahead uh, of ninety percent of the pseudo intellectuals uh, who tend to just use this this essay as a crutch to hammer uh, any particular kind of progressive, uh, contemporary progressive that they don't like. 